thought-provoking stories, and insights from around the globe by your favorite athletes. This is the Athlete's Obsession, brought to you by Obsesh. everyone and welcome to another episode of the Athletes Obsession podcast brought to you by Obsesh. As usual, I'm your host Dalton Allison and this week we have a very special guest, professional soccer player Maya Ladani. Maya, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's 9 a.m. in Jersey City, but I understand it's the afternoon where you're at, right? It's 3.03 p.m., six hours ahead. Wow. Uh, so th- that would put you in Denmark, right? Yes. Awesome. Um, so Maya, we're going to learn all about you today. And we're going to start with the question that I always start with on the podcast. And that's what is your obsession? And it could be soccer or non-soccer related for you. And the answer is pretty simple. It's soccer. You know, I've based my entire life around it and that's now my career path. So it, it definitely is my obsession and passion. When did you uh, first start playing soccer? Um, I first started when I was three years old and I started because my brother started and I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to be competitive and I wanted to do what he was doing and do it better. So would you say that it was your brothers who encouraged you start to start playing or was it your parents? I would say that... I don't think anyone really encouraged me. It was kind of just like a personal choice. And like um, my brother kind of inspired me because he started, I guess. And then my parents, yeah, so I guess they encouraged me. (laughs) When you were younger, was there ever a a coach that was out there changing your outlook on the game or who kind of made you want to continue to play the game more than you already wanted to? Well, I've definitely, I've had a lot of coaches um, in my career so far and um there's been a lot of positive ones and then also a few negative ones um and the positive ones I've definitely learned a lot like this one coach said to me that he would rather win he would rather lose but have played like very well the team played exactly like the way we wanted and it was a quality game as opposed to winning and and we played poorly and that's always stuck with me because I think that's really important to to have like your set values and to know that you gave it your all and, and know that that's all you could do. Obviously, like there are moments where you want to win um, no matter what, but if you gave your all and, and the score wasn't in your favor, like you could still be proud of that. And then also another coach said to me, you don't always have to do something special when you have the ball. It's just like, because I'm like a playmaker and, and it would just kind of ease um, my nerves a bit because I would always try to do too much. And he would, he kind of encouraged me to pick and choose my moments, which is like even better. And it makes you even more unpredictable. You said that you are a playmaker. So when was it where that playmaker identity started to come out in you as a soccer player? Probably around the age of 11 or 12, I started really becoming part of the midfield when I was younger, I was kind of more of a forward or something. And, you know, I like to score goals. I still do like to score goals. But um, when I was 11 or 12, that's when my vision started becoming more noticed and coaches started playing me more in the midfield. And um, I just was producing and 
yeah, it just became something that, that I did. You said that you had vision that was starting to become more noticed. What is it like to have good vision on the pitch and how do you develop that, especially as a young soccer player? That's a hard question because I don't know if it's a, if it's something that's an innate quality, if it's something that you can develop and it's not something like if you have it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. I think that there's definitely things you can do to develop it, but to an extent, I think that that's what makes like athletes so special is because they're born with something different. So I think having vision helps you be able to see the game better and helps you be able to play smarter and see different things and create different opportunities for yourself and your teammates. You said that athletes are, are born with something different. When was it that your something different started showing and you started to really put yourself in front of your peers in terms of your level of soccer talent? Um, well, I never, I don't like saying like, like I'm the best and all that stuff, but something that was now I can look back on and notice was I started playing a few ages above my own age group when I was around 12 or 13. I was playing with like girls who were 15 to 18, even um, practicing with some who were in their 20s. And that just kind of now looking back on it, I, I guess that's kind of impressive because if you, if you can't practice with boys who are much faster and more physical, um, I think it's also good to practice with older girls. And I think that that was, that's something that was cool that I was able to do. For you, what did you learn from these older players that you got to practice with that you think kind of still helps you now? I think I just learned to let my feet do the talking to, to just go in there and, you know, earn, earn people's respect and just continually work hard and um, just like always be willing to listen because you don't know everything and, and, you know, they are older and maybe they have some advice or have had experiences that you haven't had. And it's always a great learning opportunity. In high school, you started receiving call-ups to the Canadian national team. What was it like when you heard that you'd be representing your nation on the global stage? Well, uh, I was actually in my dad's pharmacy when I got the news and um, I looked at the, I, it, was, um, it was sent by an email and I looked at the bottom and it had like the Canada soccer logo. And that's how I knew it was real. And I was like, no way. And it took me a while to fully process what was going on. And then I was just like ecstatic. Like I was so excited and nervous and it was just, it felt like, you know, a dream come true. Was that a process for you where you had to do tryouts or did they scout you and find you? What was the, the process like of earning a spot on that team? Well, basically it was actually with Team Ontario it was a series. I, I had no idea how to get into the national team. I was just playing and, and I had no idea like there were national team coaches there. So it was with Team Ontario. I was already excited that I made that team. It's called the provincial team. So I guess you could say it's like your state team. And we were playing another province or as you would say state called Quebec. And it was a weekend consisting of three games. So my first game we uh, tied 3-3. I scored two goals. Second game, I forget the score, but I was kind of injured that game, so I didn't really play a lot. And then the last game, I, I just remember playing 
I played really well and I, I was really nervous. And I remember the coach before the game, he was like, this is like, you never know who's watching, like kind of hinting at me, like, you know, go out there and, you know, do your thing. And on my Instagram, you can see there's a video of me flicking the ball over a player. And that's, I don't know what came over me just in that game. I was like, you know, you have to do something special. You have to do something to stand out. And, and I just did that move. And, and it just, I think that that's a perfect example of the player I am and the player I aspire to be. It's just like someone who's creative and willing to take risks. And I think that that was a great opportunity to show that. So there were actually Canadian um, scouts there and that's the, the game which I was scouted from and yeah. Well, eventually you proved your call up to be correct because at the 2016 CONCACAF U15 championship, you started six games, tallied two goals and three assists. So what kind of work and preparation goes into an elite performance like that at high level stakes? Well, I actually, a lot of work. Um, I remember that before the tournament, they sent out like a conditioning and uh, strengthening program. This was it was in the summer because the tournament was around August. So I remember I would wake up every morning at around six and I would go to the field with my dad and he would time me for all the interval runs. And, and they were very, they were very hot, you know, in the summer heat, especially. And I, it just became sort of a routine. So I, I think it was like four runs a week. And this would be in the morning because I had practice still at nighttime with my club team. So it was my introduction to elite athletes and the ramping up phase for tournaments like I'd never done that before so it was difficult to actually I was still young so I I didn't feel like how difficult it was but it's it's a lot of training and a lot of loading and um, it it does take a lot of work Um, but I was I felt prepared when I got to Florida which is where the tournament was and it didn't take me too long to acclimatize to the heat I don't think. So what is it like then balancing school and national team duties and provincial team duties and just all of the teams you played on, all the practices you did, as well as doing well in school? It was, it was hard. I remember I lived in Guelph, which is a small city, and I had to travel um, over an hour every day to practice because that's where the biggest cl- bigger clubs were, like in the Toronto area. So I got the permission from some of my teachers, once things started getting serious to be able to come to school late in the morning, later in the morning, if, if I had had a late night from, because sometimes I would get home around midnight or something and I was still young. So I, I needed my sleep. And then I would have to leave school right away, go to practice. And then, I mean, I didn't really have that much homework in middle school still. And then like my first years in high school. So that was okay. But yeah, it was just, I would just be like school, practice, home, repeat. And yeah, I don't know. I I just didn't have time for anything else. So with that in mind, what was the college recruitment process like for you? And then finding a school that was a good fit for you in the U.S.? Oh, well, mine was unique. I actually went to, I went to an ID camp just for the experience, just for fun. And, you know, I, I just played my game and the coaches happened to be very impressed and they wanted to offer me um, a verbal agreement. My dad was just like, you know, he was very emotional. He was happy because like full scholarship, like it's a big deal. And, and um, I, I was overwhelmed with the excitement as well. And it didn't take me long to accept the opportunity, which now I look back on and maybe it was a bit premature. But so my 
<laughs> recruitment process was a little different than others because I kind of did it early. What was the decision like for you? And what were some of the factors that led in, besides, you know, it being an early commitment for you that led you to attending West Virginia? I don't know. At the time, it just felt right. You know, the Morgantown area reminded me of my city um, at home. You know, it was like a small, small area, small town. The facilities were nice. And, you know, the program had a good history and a lot of Canadians. And I thought that that would be a good choice for me. In the end, I felt that going the professional route would be better for me. And that is the route that you're currently on right now. You're currently playing professionally in Denmark. What was the experience like getting your first professional contract? Um, That's also been something that I've always dreamed of. And uh, I was just very happy to put the pen to the paper and finally make it official. I I wish my parents were here, though, to see it. That was definitely something that I, I was always hoping that they would be in the same room when it happened. But, you know, I'm happy technology allowed me to send them a video at least. No, it it was definitely, you know, after all the hard work and all the sacrifices and setbacks, it was it definitely felt good to to finally achieve that. What is it like playing for you so far away from home and in a new country compared to playing back in the United States and playing back in Canada? I have had experience living away from home since I was 15, grade 10, because I moved to Vancouver, which it's not to a different continent, but it was across the country. Um, and that was difficult, but I did it. And then moving to the United States was a, a step further, a little bit further from home. But yeah, no, this this was a huge jump. Um, I, I was definitely nervous, but, you know, I was like, you know what, this is what you want. I just need to take the leap. And, and I did. And I am so happy I did. And the first few days here, I, it just did not feel real. It took me a while. I was like, I am really in a, a completely different continent. Like, a six hour time difference. Like this is real. But yeah, no, I, I'm very happy. And I, I always say that my style fits better here. Um, the practices are very technical. Everything's with the ball. In the United States, the focus was more on athleticism and physicality and just working on the fitness aspect of football or soccer. And although I do think that's important, I think that it's important to do it with the ball. And I think that the practices here are all centered around work with the ball and, and soccer related, which is which is what I love. So tell me a little bit about the club that you're at and the city that you're living in with the club. Um, so the club is called Nestville HG. It's essentially the women's program was HG and they just collaborated with the men's team Nestville, which was their already an established men's club. So it's all brand new. And that's why I was excited to join them and, and be a part of like their evolution and I, I knew I'd be playing a big role and I, I thought that it was a great start for me and a great platform so yeah no it's a lovely club and, and the coach is very 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 nice and he he definitely understands how I like to play and wants to develop that he's coached in various high level teams and him coming here and you know wanting to build the team up I I wanted to be a part of that but yeah no the club Um, They're definitely focusing more on getting the women's team a part of the family and building it up. That's awesome. And then what has life been like in the the city for you as a professional athlete? I mean, (laughs) it's just normal. You know, I'm not like Lionel Messi yet, but no, no, it's it's a small city. It, It reminds me of my hometown in Guelph. I love how green it is in Denmark, actually. Like, 
everything's just so colorful. <laughs> I guess, it, I don't know, I'm just excited. I always like changes and I think that this was great. You know, it's just an exciting, everything is exciting. Every day is exciting because I never know what's going to happen. Like I never know if I'm going to stumble across a new street or something and see something new. Yeah, no, I'm also occupied doing my education online. So I'm balancing that in between practices. So there, there actually is a lot of time throughout the day where like for things to do, but um, I'm like making myself busy. That's awesome. And if you had a piece of advice for any athlete who was kind of teetering on starting their pro career early versus staying in college versus any other decision that they would have to make, what would it be? Well, I always say to, to not focus on anyone else's um, path and to just, you know, understand that everybody has a different journey. Everybody has a different path. And you know, some people want to stay in college and play there for four years and then look for their pro career. Some um, want to go directly pro and don't want to finish their education at all. I chose to do both because I don't think that you have to choose between education or soccer. I think that you can always find a way to do both. So I think that it's important that you know that you can always customize your path based on your aspirations and there's no set there's nothing, nothing set in stone. Like if you want something, you can find a way to make it work. Since you have such a, a set and determined path, what, what degree are you achieving right now? Originally in West Virginia, I was doing sports media and journalism because I've always been interested in that. Online, there was no option for that. So I'm currently doing business and administration, which I think is a good foundation for, for a degree. And, and after I complete that, um, maybe I can continue my education in a, in a different path as well. But, you know, I, I just wanted a base for something and, and I'm still interested in that as well. So if someone were to book personalized training with you on the Obsession platform, what would you be able to provide for them? If I were to provide a training session for somebody, I would definitely incorporate a lot of technical work and footwork because I think that you can never go wrong with that and that it's always something that you can work on regardless of the level you're at. So um, definitely a lot of work with the ball and just um, the basics, but also some, you know, skill work and technique and turning and passing. I think that, that there are a lot of variations that, um, that one can do. Lastly, Maya, if someone wanted to keep up with you and your journey on social media, where would they be able to do that at? I'm most active on Instagram and TikTok. So my Instagram is my name, Maya, M-A-Y-A dot my last name, L-A-D-H-A-N-I. And my TikTok is M dot L-A-D-H-A-N-I. Well, Maya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciated having you on as a guest today. You, Dalton. <laughs>